quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But three brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Welcome to Dawn of Mantis. Joe and Sam are with me in the studio tonight. Joe, how's it going tonight? Wet. Oh, okay. Yeah, it is raining outside. It's a dark and sexy night. It is. It's a it cold is. November rainy night, and we're all huddled together warm here inside Red Beard Sound Studio. Rainy night in Arkansas. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot the, I forgot how that song went. I thought you was, oh, I love Randy. Oh, Knight. no, that's good, too. That's good, too. Eddie Rabbit, baby. We had, a, we had a vinyl night the other day at the house, and I was showing Sagan some old vinyls, and cool. he liked Eddie Rabbit. That's not good. He's got good taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he really did. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, we, we do that from time to time. That's awesome. Sam, how are you, man? Oh, just been driving my life away. Oh, there we go. Back to Eddie Rabbit. Yes, sir. Yeah. I saw him play live one time uh, really? at the Decatur Barbecue. Wow. Years and years ago. Damn. I was a little That's kid. Cool. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. He died of cancer. Like Very sad. Died of cancer. Yeah. Died when was Rabbit. that? Probably in the 90s? No, I don't know. Yeah. I, I know. just know he died of cancer. Yeah. Great artist. Fantastic. Very underrated. Yeah. Very. Good beard, too. Yeah. Oh, very, very good. Very good, full, dark beard. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need to go there, but I did, right? Sure did. What you said was enough. Liked, liked denim jackets, full beard. Oh, yeah. Good-looking man. Died of cancer. Very sad. May yeah. 7th, 1998. Okay. Wow, Damn. that was later, and I thought I was in early. Me too. I thought like 92 or something. Yeah. Man, tonight we're talking about a lovely young lady that through a series of unfortunate events. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Good book series. <laughs> She ended up being on the receiving end of an axe. Oh, no. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but that is what the story is about. So we're going to talk about a lady named Betty Gore at the time of her death, but she was born Betty Pomeroy. Ironic last name. Yeah, right? That's what I thought by typing this. The Gore home. Yes, it was. We'll get there. We'll get there. This is going to be a two-parter, by the way. Okay. All right. Betty Pomeroy was a bright and beautiful girl and very religious from the get-go, as were most people in the tiny town of Norwich, Kansas, in the 60s. However, she had hit puberty fairly early, or should we say puberty hit her? (laughs) She developed fully at a pretty young age and soon after began (laughs) to attract quite a bit of attention from the males in her peer group. Betty seemed to enjoy this, as she almost always had a boyfriend, usually one of the more handsome or higher socially ranked boys in her class. It must be said, though, that throughout all this, Betty always remained serious and sensible, prim and proper, right? Yes. Meaning she enjoyed dating but was still very religious, so she abstained from sex with all her male suitors. By her senior year in high school, she had settled into a fairly serious relationship with a boy named Jimmy, and the pair even spoke of getting married after graduation. However, Betty broke things off shortly after heading to college as she was focused more on getting her degree in education instead of doing the housewife thing, getting immediately hitched and popping out kids, you know, while Jimmy did his best selling cars or being an accountant or whatever bullshit thing he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she was, I own the prize. Yeah. 
Betty began college life and dated several guys there as well, but always kept the relationships completely non-physical. She was a real barrel of fun, that Betty. Well, she was trying to be smart. She was trying to be smart. There we go. Yes, sir. She liked to have fun on dates, but wanted to focus on her studies and steer away from any serious relationships. Fate would soon intervene, though. She quickly discovered that she, bluntly put, sucked at calculus. Okay. And Most need- everyone does. Yeah, I don't know who's like, I mean, Stephen Hawking just fell right into it. But There's an old joke. The only thing I don't get about calculus is how to do it. <laughs> Sorry. Ah. I've, I don't know where that came from. Well, I made the puberty Probably jokes. the 50s. Probably. <laughs> well, yeah, so she always needed help from the teaching assistant in her calculus class, which happened to be this guy named Alan Gore. Now, Alan wasn't something you refer to as handsome. He was kind of short, a little pudgy wore horn-rimmed glasses, and even at his young age was already sporting a pretty sharp widow's peak. Okay. So, on top of that, he was pretty shy. So much so that people often took him for uppity or snobbish, which he actually wasn't. Alan had grown up on a farm and had headed to college to earn a degree as an electrical engineer. What he lacked in overall charisma and attractiveness, though... (laughs) I didn't mean for that to be funny, but now I'm reading it. He made up for in kindness, intelligence, and ambition. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I do. (laughs) That's what I try to do. (laughs) Whatever the attraction was, it was enough for Betty and Alan to begin a relationship that resulted in marriage in January of 1970. Even throughout this courtship, though, Betty adhered pretty strictly to her Christian values. Alan would later admit that the pair had only fooled around twice before their wedding night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Admirable. Admirable. The couple settled into a Dallas suburb. Betty got pregnant almost right away. I mean, because they'd only fooled around twice. Yeah. That's what happened most of the time back then. Yeah. Nine months to the day after the wedding date, <laughs> little Jimmy was born. Uh, but I'm just kidding. It was Alyssa. Little Alyssa was born pretty much nine months after they got married. And uh, by that time, also, Alan was working at Rockwell International, a major defense contractor. As you may have guessed, this was a well-paying job, earning Alan a $70,000 a year salary. That's in 1971. Yeah, that's quite good. That's damn good, yeah. That's crazy. Or it might have been late 70. Uh, Anyway. still. From the outside, it would seem that the Gore family had it made. An expensive house in a nice Dallas suburb, a new baby, and a high-paying job. But as is usually the case, all was not what it seemed. Mm. Alan was often gone for weeks at a time on business trips. And Betty despised being alone. Then there was her health. In 1971, she fell ill and was diagnosed with, quote, a spastic stomach, or more than likely what we would probably call irritable bowel syndrome today. Okay. She was even hospitalized for a short time, but seemed to recover. But more problems arose the next time Alan had to leave town. Betty called him several times, crying and begging him to return home. He could not, as he was slated to be gone for six weeks. I wonder if her nerves of him leaving you know, made her symptoms worse or something like that. Sounds like a, you're feeling uneasy being alone. You said she hated to be alone. Yes. So I'm not saying that's what caused it. I mean, but I'm just kind of... I think that that's thing. totally feasible. A nervous stomach, the jitters, you know, mm-hmm. like some people get nauseous when they're nervous. Some people get the poops when they're nervous. Yeah. It can yeah. totally affect your... Yeah, I, I think that had maybe everything to do with it. Yeah. He was going to be gone for six weeks. She's upset. He can't come back. So out of loneliness, desperation, revenge, boredom, I don't know what, she ended up having a one-night stand with a younger dude. To her credit, though, she regretted it immediately and was overcome with guilt. The moment Alan returned home, she confessed everything. Obviously, he was hurt, but Betty seemed to be genuinely sorry, and the pair worked it out. 
However, Alan was always left wondering if this was some sort of ploy by Betty to keep him from going out on the road as much, right? Mm, like is yeah. she Betty knocking boots with some cabana boy that I don't know about? Yeah. You would wonder. Yeah. I mean, you just think it's all like a something fake, yeah. Yeah. Or what if she'd never even done it and just told him that? Yeah. To get him to try to not go on the road as, I don't, the road as much. I don't know. In 1973, the Gore family moved to Plano, Texas, for Alan's job. Betty began substitute teaching there as well, but her health issues would soon return. Betty was now claiming to suffer from all kinds of illnesses, and within a few months of arriving in Plano, she had prescriptions for decongestants, tranquilizers, antibiotics, antidepressants, and a multitude of other drugs. Wow. Yeah. It's a good spread. Life would continue this way for Betty, and despite Alan's sizable income and their comfortable lifestyle, happiness always seemed to elude her. She became dissatisfied with her second-grade students at work, who she felt were out of control. Second graders out of control? No. What? It's never happened before. <laughs> and she was still frequently left alone at home while Alan was away on business. In the fall of 74, she fell into a deep depression and was prescribed estrogen and Valium, which she took for the next year. Explain that, please. <laughs> I don't know, but it, that seems like a crazy combo. Yeah, I get Valium because doesn't that just kind of zombie you out? Like if you're depressed... Um, I think so. But estrogen? Yeah, I would hope there'd be some kind of test that would prove that you needed that, like levels, but it just seems like a crazy combo. Yeah. Ask your doctor about estrogen. Yeah. Are you experiencing not enough estrogen? Like, I don't know why, why you would take it. <laughs> yeah. Her mental state worsened when she was rejected for a permanent teaching position the following year. Not long after this, Betty was delighted when Alan told her that he had secured a position at his work that did not involve any travel mm. and that his long trips away were now over. Okay. As for Alan's side of things, he hadn't really minded being away on business. He had figured out long ago that he had married a hypochondriac and Betty's constant illnesses were driving a wedge between them. Also, there was the issue of their sex life or complete lack of it. Betty had not been a very sexual creature before their marriage. We talked about that. And she had not uh, changed at all afterwards. Which, by the way, an old man told me a saying one time, <laughs> and anybody listening that's married, reflect on your own marriage and tell me if this is true. I love the start of it, an old man. Oh, and his name was Jamie, and I love the guy. Man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you. He had the greatest sayings. And uh, uh, he told me one time, he said, when you get a girlfriend... Every time you have sex, put a marble in a jar. <laughs> then when you get married, every time you have sex, take the marble out of that jar. <laughs> he said, you can date her for two years and be married for 50. That damn jar will never be empty. <laughs> <laughs> so that was some... Uh... So he's basically just telling you that's how it's going to be. Deal with it. Yeah. I guess you could carry the marble jar in there to your wife and be like, look at this jar. Yeah, that would turn out well. <laughs> I have proof. Help me I empty this my, jar. I have my marble jar. <laughs> this proves you're not being very nice. <laughs> it's like, you know, I think you lost your marbles. <laughs> She'd tell you to do something with that marble jar. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, that might not be the, uh, the case in every marriage. I'm just telling you what I was told. No, I got you. Yeah, so, you know, theirs was, poor Alan didn't get it before or after. I mean, he didn't even, he didn't even get the, the knocking boots period leading up to the wedding, right? He didn't even get to put any marbles in anyway. Yeah, his jar was empty to begin with. Yeah. 
Yeah, I used it for something else. Some pickled beets or something. <laughs> <laughs> the very few times they did do the deed seemed to be emotionless and robotic. Mm. So real, real romantic there. That sounds good. <laughs> Sorry, I said robotic. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. All right. You'd think that when Betty announced that she wanted a second child in 1978, Alan would have been excited to be having regular sex again. Yeah. We've all been there when, you know, the lady friend's like, I want to get pregnant. And you're like, cool. That means lots and lots of that, right? Just, that's what Me happens. too. Me too. That's a great idea. Oh, I forgot to tell you, I got a vasectomy. <laughs> yeah. Four months later, after four months of trying it. <laughs> Betty did demand it every single night of her ovulation, you know, so that was a nice change. Yeah. But again, it was purely mechanical, and Alan got the feeling he was more of a sperm donor than a lover. Yeah, that's not a good feeling. No. And began to resent his wife during their frequent lovemaking, or mating, as it would be more accurate to call it. That reminds me, just popped into my head, of an old episode of Coach. Okay. Where I love Cr that show. Christine was wanting to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And her and Hayden had had a big fight, but she was ovulating. So she comes out and she goes, by the way, I'm ovulating in the bedroom. And he like hangs his head and walks in. And then after you come back from the commercial break, he's walking back out and he says, that's the first time I ever pretended I was somebody else. <laughs> I don't know why that just stuck in my head. That's a great line. Pretty funny. Great show. Great <laughs> show. I love that. <laughs> Betty had planned out the entire pregnancy to the day. She had told Alan that he had to impregnate her by a certain date so that she wouldn't have to take any extra time away from work when she had the child. No pressure. No pressure, but it has to be by this time. One of the few things the Gores did bond over, though, was church. Both Alan and Betty had become members of the Methodist Church of Lucas. Betty taught Sunday school there, and Alan was also involved in various church activities. But the church would come to play a very dark role in the lives of Betty and Alan Gore. You see, this is where they would meet another couple, one of which would viciously end Betty's life and become the center of a nationwide scandal, a woman named Candy Montgomery. Candy Montgomery was the polar opposite of Betty Gore. She was really outgoing, really bubbly, overly funny. She could strike up a conversation with anyone, and everyone liked her. Also, I don't... Betty was a nice lady, but mm -hmm. she... I don't mean to make her sound bad, but she was just, like, shy, Sure. She was not like, you know, she was not one of the gals at church. She was reserved. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, hopefully, I didn't just make her sound like a terrible person or something, but she wasn't. No, you just pointed out the facts. I mean, she was having some issues. Well, despite being a teacher, Betty was often awkward around kids. She'd even attempted to foster a six-year-old boy, but that only lasted a couple of weeks. Betty attempted foster care again with a younger girl, but after a few months, that ended as well. Betty tried once more with an eight-year-old boy, but this caused more tension between her and Alan. The boy was all over the place, very rambunctious, wouldn't listen to a thing. And in an odd act of tit-for-tat, Betty began to ignore the boy. I wonder if it was a thing, because some teachers do become foster parents, and they, they will actually sometimes take in a student um, that's in pretty bad shape. I wonder if it was that type of thing, or if it was just random placement. I don't know. Just... I don't know. Maybe it wasn't worth mentioning, but just no, that's throw good, that out there. That's, I mean, well, it would kind of help. Obviously, to be a teacher, you know, she wanted to help kids, perhaps. There's some teachers that don't. I mean, I think they originally do, 
but then they realize that it's really tough. <laughs> they get jaded, probably. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't want to go there, but I'm just saying, like, um, yeah, she had a lot of health issues, so she takes some kids, and that makes it, you know, you already have your own health issues, and then you have the kids that are obviously in bad situations, so yeah. the behavior's going to be bad sometimes. That kind of makes her more endearing to me if she sure. was, if she took kids from school. I mean, I don't know why, but yeah, it does. Yeah. This angered Alan. You know, when she was having friction with the boy, kind of started ignoring him, didn't really know what else to do with him. This angered Alan. They started fighting about it a lot, and eventually she called the state and said, come be at him. Oh, so okay. That However, Candy, on the other end, loved kids and was great with them, and they loved her right back. Other ladies in the church would often gossip about how uptight and overly proper Betty was, but Candy was always laid back and breezy, fun to be around. She was also different from Betty in that Candy had foregone college to get married right out of high school and start a family. She had married a man named Pat, who had made a very good living uh, working at Texas Instruments, actually made the same amount of money as Alan did, and Candy spent her days living life as a wealthy housewife and taking care of her kids. But as people all are almost always want to do, no matter how good they have it, Candy began to feel unfulfilled and unsatisfied. She enrolled in a creative writing course, began volunteer work, and became more involved in church activities. This made Betty and Candy cross paths fairly often, and the two were always friendly with each other, but not friends, technically. Okay, yeah. I think the headline Sam sent me or something, one of them said the woman who killed her good friend. And that was a, that was like a stretch. They were just... They were just in each other's lives. They were just in each other's tight circle of church stuff. Yeah. You know, but they didn't like hang out or talk and gossip over Phil Donahue or whatever. Yeah, you could be in in that type of circle and not be good friends. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. We all have people that are just in our life and we interact with them quite a bit. Uh, We're not friends. They're, you know, we're just, they're just there. Yeah. They're in the circle. You guys are like, yeah, Joey. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They looked at each other. I saw that, you bastards. No, I'm just kidding. I hope I am kidding. Um, But Candy's introduction to Betty is not what set things in motion to cause the gruesome crime that we'll be talking about later. No, that was set into motion by her meeting with Betty's husband, Alan. You see, Candy was bored. Even with the writing, shuttling around kids, volunteering, and church activities, there was something else missing. And by the summer of 1978... She decided just what would spice up things. An affair. Okay. Friends would later admit that she had openly joked about having an affair all that summer, but no one knew how seriously to take her. At church? Yes. With her her friends from church. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of funny. (laughs) There's something in there about that. (laughs) I think. I think the Bible has some clear boundaries on that. Yeah, I think. Little did they know, she had set her mind on having a fling, but she just didn't know who with yet. Okay, that's a good solid plan. <laughs> Gonna be with someone. Out on the prowl, baby. Any, many, money, mo. You. Oh, your name is Mo, too. That's a, ironic. Yeah. Maybe this was meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> that man would turn out to be none other than Betty's husband, Alan Gore. Oh. Al Gore? Al Gore? <laughs> Inconvenient truth. Oh, the way he talks about climate change just makes me, just makes my climate change. <laughs> There's a moist front moving in, Mr. Allen. I don't know. Allen had recently joined a church volleyball league, as had Candy. Oh, and he's all playing volleyball, getting all sweaty and stuff. Yeah. That's not good. Like we said earlier, Allen was never a quote-unquote looker. And although Candy had vaguely known him for around nine months at that time, she'd really never given him a second glance. However, 
They both ended up playing the same game on the same day, late in the summer of 1978, and that's when fate intervened. So cue some cheesy, like, 90s Jennifer, uh, what's that gal's name? The big ass. (laughs) Jennifer Lopez rom-com. Because, I mean, she's more than just that. She's a fine singer, I'm sure, and a good dancer. But what I mean is... Like out of some cheesy rom com. So much more. <laughs> they collided when they both went for the ball at the same time. Oh, uh, wait. Collided in more ways than one, right? Their hearts collided. Their hearts too. collided. Yeah. Their loins collided. She later said it was Alan's cologne <laughs> that set her off. She said, so I was like, I've never fell in love. <laughs> no, I do. Yeah, I, I have, but I just never like over a ball, I guess. You know, I've never like collided. I, I haven't either fell in love over a ball. I walked into a a gas station and ordered a pack of uh, Marlboro Lights yeah. about 15 years ago. And the gal behind the counter was like... You collided over those packs yeah, of cigarettes? Yeah, she was like, that'll be 4.45. And I was like, you know, that's when like the lights came down and it was like, wouldn't it be nice if we were older? Yeah, and I married that gal. Yeah. Married her. That very day. That very day. <laughs> right then. <laughs> I believe you can I believe I can buy these marble lights. That's what I said to her. Um <laughs> Anyway, I like it. The two began to talk more frequently before church, after church, during volleyball games and other church activities. The more they got to know each other, the more they seemed to fit together. She likes all the same shit I do. You know how it is. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> shitting on <laughs> I don't know why I turned into the guy off Smokey and the Bandit No, 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 not Smokey and the Bandit It was uh, Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> Yeah, Roscoe Roscoe, god damn Sorry guys That's like, I have to turn in my redneck card now I couldn't don't, even remember his don't name Don't crap on them falling in love though I mean, you've, you've been there, man Over okay. the Marlboro Lights <laughs> Come on, man Show some respect So yeah, they had a lot in common. They were both seemingly in loveless marriages with mismatched partners. They both loved kids, they were outgoing, and had the same sense of humor. Plus, they were both sexually frustrated. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. After a few weeks of subtle Mm. flirting, Candy Candy decided to let (sighs) Alan know her feelings. You guys Mm. Mm. One day after choir practice, Candy caught up to Alan as he was getting in his car. And she said, hey, Alan... Can we talk? He was like, well, sure, Candy. So they jumped in his car. She slipped into the passenger seat, and she confessed her feelings. She said, I've been thinking about you a lot, and it's really bothering me, and I don't know whether I want to tell you or do anything about it or not. I'm very attracted to you, and I'm tired of thinking about it, and I just wanted to tell you. And then she jumped out of the car and took off. It was that she didn't even, like, make eye contact. She was just looking ahead. She blurted it out, and she took off. It's cute. Yeah, it is cute. And also gross because they're both married. Yeah, and it all stemmed from church. Yeah. Which is kind of gross too. But I mean, so her feelings are her feelings. I get it. I mean, ever we're all sinners, right? But yeah. I'm just saying in that moment, that was really cute of her. Even though she was married, I get that. It's wrong. Even okay. though the old, all the churchy stuff, that was wrong. But that was cute in that moment. I'm staying with that. <laughs> I don't care who knows it. It was very like high school, yeah. you know? Yeah. So this left Alan. He had never been approached like that. Sure. So he's just... He's just sitting there like, what the hell just happened, right? Mm-hmm. As any of us would. Or I don't know, you guys might be pussy hounds for all I know, but <laughs> I would just be sitting there like, what That's just happened? That would be a great band name. 
We haven't talked about band names in a while. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Pussy Hound. Dry Hump Joe and the Pussy Hounds. Hello, Atlanta. I don't know. Alan was totally dismayed, like I said. As I think any of us would be. Like sure, I said. I would be. Even I'm the not a Pussy Hound. I would be. <laughs> even the most loyal husband in the world would at least be a little flattered that a woman who was pretty and nice like Candy would be so pent up with desire for them that they would just have to blurt it out in a parked car, right? Yeah, yeah. You're not just driving home thinking about your random crap you always think about. Yeah, no. That's blowing your mind. It totally would, yeah. Even if you don't have any intention of cheating, I mean, you're like, wow, yes. still got it. Still got it. Never had it, just got it. <laughs> <laughs> Over the next few days, he wrestled with all sorts of thoughts and feelings about the situation. What do I do? Was she serious? Should I pursue this? No, I can't. I'm not that guy. I have to cut ties with her. But what if I just talk to her a little more? Right? What's that going to hurt? It's not going to hurt nothing. He thought about calling her, but stopped himself. This was certainly new territory for him, and he simply didn't know what to do. He eventually decided that he'd try to gauge the situation a little more accurately the next time they were around each other. Yeah. By the way, and I've said this before, I have, I have every right to shit on them as they go about this process because I've been through stuff like this myself. And so I'm not just like a hypocrite. It's, it's very much so like, you know, you can call yourself a piece of shit and you're a reformed piece of shit. Like used to be a piece of shit, but I've reformed and went through a 12 step program and I've been a good guy for years now. That can happen, mm -hmm. but I can still, it really elevates your shit -a meter where you can sniff it out or see it or really call it. Yeah, but on ultima other ultimately, though, it's all just human nature, and it's like people living and people making mistakes. I mean, well, yeah, that's and in the moment, like logic is thrown to the wayside. And oh, stuff. logic, all thoughts of consequences or sure. what this could do to other people, or yeah. oh yeah, that all just goes right out the window. Yeah, and what I, yeah, that's what I was getting to was this: we have a fairly wide audience now. I think sure odds are very good odds actually. At least one person listening to this somewhere out there in podcast land is engaged in some tomfoolery like this right now. Yeah. I bet that's true. And listen, I'm talking to you, whoever you are. I've said this before, but it never is just like we're going to talk a little bit. What you do is it's a thousand times of you saying, well, we talk a little bit, but that's all. I'm not yeah. that guy. Then you say, not them because it was the 70s, but now, then you say, we just text some, but it's not. It's no big deal. I mean, it's just a text. Then you're like, oh, we're, we texted 38 times today. But it's just like, it's just a text. Oh, we texted all day today. Oh, I was making excuses to get up from away from my wife that evening and going outside and texting. But it's okay. I've got it under control. I'm not that guy. We're just making out every once in a while. <laughs> it's all we're doing. Yeah. It's just two mouths searching for you. Tongues. I mean, it's like, it's all normal. Just two mouths searching for tongues. That's right. I mean, like, totally innocent. Yeah. But yeah, you keep yeah-butting yourself all the way up until you're meeting this person at every opportunity to knock boots wherever you can, and you've just turned into some animal that doesn't even really think about the consequences or what this could do to any... Everything just goes right out the window. It's crazy. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, people listening... Whatever stage you are in that progression that I just uh, named off, stop. Yeah. Uh, you should tell your spouse, too, but 
I'll leave that up to you, but at least this, at least stop. Just stop, man. I mean, I could foresee a situation in certain relationships where early on you tell your spouse that it's happening and maybe it could get to a point to where that person could be a friend as long as your wife was kind of a friend too and you guys all joked as long as it never crossed a certain line. Oh, yeah. I would think there'd be people that would have those, uh, that type of uh, self-control and... Like, even if it came out to where, like, the she's like, yeah, I'm attracted to your husband, but I would never cross that line because I respect you as a friend or whatever, you know? Yeah. But I, results not typical. That's probably not the most... Yeah, that would probably be rare. I don't know. I don't know, though. People are... I don't know. I don't know people. Yeah. But yeah I do know once you get into it deep, it's... Uh, and by the way, if you think no one's... Whoever... I, I'm talking to, like, uh, this imaginary person that's doing this in my head. But if you think it's not going to be found out, you're fooling yourself. Yeah. As we will find out later, it almost never is just like, hey, we'll just we'll just get together every once well, in a even, while. Well, even if fine. it's not discovered, it, you'll get to a point to where you'll want the B over A and then you'll you'll make it be found out because yes. you will come clean and yeah. say, "Well, I'm leaving" or whatever. It won't be good no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, marriage advice from Don of Man's podcast. There yeah. you go. So, anyway, yeah, he thought, you know, the next time I'm around her, we'll just kind of see what happens. Because he's still just like, what? he doesn't even know what just happened. Well, about a week later, after yet another church volleyball game, that time would come. Alan decided to stay afterwards and clean up the gym. When she heard this, Candy said, I'll stick around too. She was out tomcatting, so what's going on? The pair remained pretty quiet as they cleaned, both probably waiting for the other to make the first move. But it wasn't until they were finished and walking to their cars that Alan finally stopped Candy and pointedly asked her, so what did you have in mind? Candy opened her car door and replied, get in. They didn't get to it that fast. It wasn't like, mm, but like, like straight to the, no. She's like, get in and I'll show you, big boy. It wasn't that fast. It's like, let's talk. <laughs> Candy explained again that she had not been able to stop thinking about Alan and then bluntly asked if he would consider having an affair with her. Shocked again, Alan took a minute to answer, but eventually told Candy that he could not. I could not do that to Betty, he said. He also broke the news that Betty was now pregnant. Just found that out and that he didn't want to hurt her. Candy replied, well, I love Pat too, and I don't want to hurt him either. I was just putting the option out there because of how I felt, and it's up to you to decide. I don't want to hurt your marriage. All I wanted to do was go to bed. I won't mention it again. Right? Yeah, right. Then Alan slid across across the seat and kissed Candy on the lips before leaving the car. Not good. (laughs) It was just two mouths looking for tongues. Yeah. Both Candy and Alan were in a private turmoil for the next few weeks. Candy was embarrassed, let down, and felt silly for having put herself out there only to get coldly rejected. What really confused her, though, was the kiss. Why did Alan do that if there was no interest in her? Meanwhile, Alan had tried to improve his relationship with Betty. He even suggested they go to marriage counseling, but let the idea go when she replied, Why, do you think something's wrong with us? Mm. So he was trying. Yeah. This went on for the next three weeks until, on Candy's 29th birthday, her phone rang. Her heart skipped a beat when Alan's voice came on the other end and said, Hi, this is Alan. I have to go to McKinney tomorrow to get some tires checked on the new truck. I wondered if you'd like to have lunch and, you know, talk a little bit more about what we talked about before. This hat snowballs, see? Yep. You warned them. They're on the highway to hell! Yeah, or McKinney. <laughs> 
Candy readily agreed, and the pair met at an auto shop a few miles north of her house later that day. Any doubts about his intentions were put to rest when Alan handed Candy a birthday card that read, For the last of the Red Hot Lovers, along with a little bag of Red Hots. Oh. Hmm. And then he said, I'm going to eat these off your naked body. Not really. He didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) The pair then... (laughs) Watch where you put them, though. They're Red Hots. That could burn. Jesus, Alan, think for think think for a minute. The pair then went to a cafe where they talked for nearly an hour about their spouses and the various issues each of them had. Because that's what you do if you have an issue with your spouse. You find someone else who's also in a troubled marriage and you talk to them of the opposite sex. It's always going to turn out fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> for sure. 100%. No, yeah. what could happen? Especially when you both have an interest in each other. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Like, you're, you're, I've always been secretly attracted to you and you're having problems with your husband? Oh, let's go somewhere and talk. What could happen? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no affair was had that day. They did make a decision to have one, though, and they began several planning <laughs> sessions. Okay. It gets so clinical and weird. Premeditated love affair. Yes. Oh, you have no idea. Okay. <laughs> How spontaneous. <laughs> <laughs> On March 2nd. Weird. <laughs> Going to town. They did set a date. They did set a date. I know. That, you said that. That's I just so figured funny. it. I need a little excitement in my life. Let's begin a long, drawn-out series of meetings in which we talk about and outline the rules and regulations of the affair that is soon to come. I almost think of like a heist movie, you know? <laughs> they draw it all out on a on a chalkboard. It's like Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, Sex yeah. edition. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to hide in this thing, and we're going to wheel you in. Room service. No one's going to see you. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, this went on for weeks and weeks, the planning. The more they spoke, the more comfortable Alan became with the idea of an affair. He'd already learned it was surprisingly easy to frequently meet Candy for lunch and talk on the phone with her without being detected. Okay. Still, though... Testing the water. Yeah, yeah. Still, though, he just couldn't seem to pull the trigger. Candy noticed this, too, and by late November, she was thinking about calling the whole thing off. She decided to meet up with Alan one more time. I'm breaking up with you. (laughs) Married man. We didn't even have sex. (laughs) So she invited Alan over one more time, and the the pair sat at the table and made a list of whys and whys nots to ease Alan's mind. Pros and cons. Nice. (sighs) Pros and cons of the fair. You would hope con one would be, we're married, or I'm, yeah, you would think that would be con one. Mm Mm-hmm. But it probably was way down. And then, but like, pro one, I'm real flexible, she said. (laughs) And he's like, well, that negates... Con one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Obviously, the biggest fear was of getting caught. Alan admitted he believed he could likely fall for her as well. Candy said they just have to make sure that neither of those things happened. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, we just, that just can never happen. We just make sure it doesn't happen. Oh, yeah. well, now that you put it that way. <laughs> awesome. That's what any person that went to jail thought. <laughs> I can't get caught for this. Well, we just won't. Pro one. <laughs> Never get caught. (laughs) And it works. Candy said they just have to make sure that didn't happen. And she reminded Alan that they were both adults and they wouldn't let things get out of hand. I promise I will never die. What was that? That just went through my head today. What movie was that? Uh, We were talking about earlier. It's Team America. Team America. That's right. That's the reference too for that. He had to promise it to the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I promise I will never die. That's right. At first he's like, I can't promise a thing like that. That's the only way we can be together though. Okay. <laughs> the unedited version of that sex scene is the funniest thing in cinematic I don't know if I've history. I've never seen it. Oh my god. Maybe I have. 
I don't know. It was amazing. My wife knew very early on what kind of person I was because that was one of the first, <laughs> uh, other than M MST3K, one of the first things I ever showed her was, uh, have you heard of Team America World Police? And we watched that movie. After these messages, we'll be right back. Extra, extra. Dawn of Mantis now has a merch store. There are t-shirts, long and short sleeve, as well as hoodies. Just go to dawnofmantis.com and click the t-shirt link. Dawn of Mantis is brought to you by Redbeard Sound. Redbeard Sound provides music production, audio editing, and live sound engineering, and is where Dawn of Mantis records our podcast. You can find Sam's information on our website, dawnofmantis.com, or at redbeardsound.com. Still, even after all this, it was several more days until Alan called and finally announced, Hey, Candy, I'm ready. Before they finally did the deed, though, they decided to lay out the following ground rules. Okay. Safe words, right? Uh, no safe word, oh, okay. no. Okay, that, that didn't come out. I think they were both pretty, like, not adventurous enough for that to have been a potential issue. Oh, that's issue. true. That's true. <laughs> not many safe words from... Missionary Proverbs 316 If <laughs> You get scared Here was the first one If either of them Ever wanted to end the affair For whatever reason Boom it would end No questions asked Okay Rule number one I will not question your judgment That's right Except for now You're having a <laughs> If either one of them Became too emotionally involved Boom Affair's over Yeah so if you If you got to where You loved each other Or caught feelings As the kids nowadays say Okay So they were just Friends with benefits kind of yes. style. Yes. Okay. If they ever started taking risks that shouldn't be taken. Like the whole thing? <laughs> or. Yeah. Or writing out, making documents. So they're writing these things out, right? Yeah. So they're making tangible documents. Yeah. Like. Yeah, documents. Yeah. Their, their affair like, is. You should probably not have a paper trail of, of an affair. And above it in, in like bold font, it's like rules of our affair. <laughs> Rule one. <laughs> Never get caught. <laughs> Never leave evidence. This is a fun one. All expenses, food, motel room, gasoline would be split between the two. Oh, yeah. You don't want to get in some kind of quarrel of who's going to pick up a check. <laughs> they would only meet on weekdays while their spouses were at work. Candy would be in charge of fixing lunch on the days they met so that Alan could have more time. They figured they would need all of Alan's two-hour lunch. <laughs> Two-hour lunch. They need all that two-hour lunch. She no. has very high expectations no, of Alan. No, they wouldn't. I'd be like, no, I could have a six-minute lunch. We're good. and We still have time to eat. So, are we good? And I'll, yeah, I, I just, I'll be good. Candy would be in charge of getting a hotel room for the same reason. They would meet on a Tuesday or a Thursday once every other week. That was because Candy was free only on days when her little boy attended the play day preschool at the Methodist Church. <laughs> How so many gross. more provisions? Oh, there's a couple more. Golly, okay, keep going. <laughs> uh, well, it's basically just explaining the last one. She took him each Tuesday and Thursday from 9 to 2, so she figured that she would need three out of those four school days for all the other errands that she had to run for the church and school duties for her hectic schedule. So she's trying to work in this sex. That didn't make the cons list. <laughs> So is that all the plan? That was the end of the... See, the thing I like about this plan is the simplicity of it. It's just simple. Oh, wait. No, it's not. Okay, maybe I don't like the plan. They thought about everything down to the sandwiches. Yeah. 
You you will I will not use Miracle Whip. It'll only be mayonnaise. It's it's all in the contract. Yes, and Dijon mustard because any other kind gives me gas. And if we're gonna be making love right after, like we don't want that. Yeah, two hours of gas. I'd be embarrassing. <laughs> I like it. We'll have more time if I make the sandwiches. Yeah, we'll have more time. That's fine. I mean, I'd be like so cute. You think we're gonna need more time? You're adorable. Then the day you bring the ham, I'll bring the salami. <laughs> 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 Settle down, Alan. Wait till the day. Wait till the day. And they set a date, by the way. The the affair between Candy Montgomery and Alan Gore would commence on December 12th, 1978. That's D-Day. Yeah. Boom. Ooh, get it? Ooh, D-Day. Uh, <laughs> uh, did they get that notarized just to make sure that it's like... Is that is that a binding contract? Do you know a notary? Yeah. Yeah, let's go down to the county clerk's office. I will sue you if you don't keep up your end of this affair. <laughs> we'll sue the pants off of you. Oh, that's ironic. Oh, they were already off. <laughs> oh, that was I'm such a dumb shit. Their, their affair would commence December 12th, 1978 at the Cramadol Inn. No, the Colonial. No, the Continental Inn. The okay. Continental Inn. Okay. The day came quickly, and so did Alan. It was the it was the best. <laughs> it Is was, that in your notes? Yes. Is that, I knew it was in your notes. <laughs> it was the best sex. Sometimes the jokes even make it in the notes. I love it. Sometimes they're just platonic and you throw them out there, but I like when they're in the notes. There's something special about that. It's like premeditated comedy. I like it. Not like only it. was the affair premeditated, but even so the comedy. The comedy. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's awesome. Oh, God. Yeah. Was cram it all in in there too? No, I actually pulled oh, okay. that one out, out so of my ass. You got ass. some platonic and you got some planned. I, it's man, we're a variety podcast. That's why we are called a variety podcast. Yeah, we are. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it was the best sex Alan had ever had, but it was kind of a letdown for Candy. I wonder if they thought of that song. Uh, we fell in love for the weekend. Oh, well, they couldn't have. But he said something about. Uh, didn't she just like? You had fun for a minute, but I'll be in love oh, for yeah, the rest yeah. of Man, my life. Man, that's a fantastic song. Yeah. yeah. That just reminded me of that. Anyway. I was thinking more third-rate romance by Sandy oh, Kershaw. Oh, yeah. Sunday rendezvous, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why did we not do the, the queen of the double-eyed tra- trailer during the Michigan murder thing? Why did we not oh, think of that? that oh, wait. They couldn't afford a double-eyed trailer. They that's had to right. get two single-eyes. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> she is the queen of my two single-eyed trailers. <laughs> Door matches up to my sister's room. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's, that's one of the... That's thrown back. That's thrown. So that was window, by the way. Yeah, the, uh, check out our uh, Murder in the Mountain series yeah. if you want to know what we're talking about. Yeah, it's it's a good one. So, uh, yeah, Candy was a little bummed out. Alan was, like, seeing stars, you know, like, that was amazing. Uh, but she figured maybe she could teach him a few tricks and mold a better lover out of him, mm. which she eventually did. Okay. Over the next several months, the pair met every other week. Now at the cheaper uh, out pay-by-the-hour Como Hotel, where they'd eat whatever lunch candy had made, make love a while, and then end the rendezvous with some pillow talk before showering and heading back to their respective lives. You know, it became their favorite part of the week. Candy for the excitement, the connection, and Alan's overwhelming affection, and Alan, obviously, for the sex, but also the connection and the relaxation. Mm-hmm. He always felt like he had to strive to please Betty, but Candy was overjoyed at his mere presence. Alan had also never experienced anything close to the closeness he got with Candy. 
For example, despite being married for years and having two kids, Alan had never French kissed. Hmm. Candy had to teach him. Seriously, I read that the first time they kissed and she slipped her tongue in his mouth, he was like, whoa, 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 what's this tomfoolery? What is that? <laughs> like, he was literally like, I, what, what, what happened? Why did you do that? And so she had to kind of, like, explain to him. Yeah. That's what two people do when they like each other. You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, just to throw out what you were saying earlier, I mean, that's pretty easy to, like, you know, you're living your regular life all week and then you meet up once a week. It's pretty easy for that time to be awesome, right? You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to, like, find their underwear on the floor or get mad because they didn't clean the the dish from the last night and they left it in the sink yeah. you know it's like so you're just you're just living in the the prime time like the the best of the best yep the pay by the hour stuff's not going to reveal who they really are no yeah and that's what is so dumb when you find this other person it's if you just could only stop and think it through of course everything is better right then Sure. Your wife or your spouse, whoever you're with, they know your bullshit. They know all your stories. They've yeah. heard all your jokes. They know your bad side. They've seen you upset. They've seen your underwear on the floor with a skid mark. They know you're a human. Yeah. They've walked into the bathroom after you pooped. Yeah. The romance sometimes is not quite there. That's right. But what is there, which in my experience and in my opinion, I know you guys will agree, is a thousand times better, is loyalty, is honesty, is connection, is trust, is a bond you've built together over years to and be years yourself. and years. Yes. Not like someone else that you portray in the rest of the world to people that are just kind of acquaintances. Exactly. And yeah. so, of course, with this other fresh person, you're not even getting them. You're getting this facade of this brand new thing. You were not, you were not yourself with your wife at first when you started dating either. Yeah. You, were, you were in that little honeymoon period where you're like, oh, I can't let her see me do this. Or, you know, oh, I've got to go outside and check my phone. You go out there and shit your pants because you, now you follow her through the house to do it on her. That's the difference. <laughs> That's special, my friend. And if you can ever bottle, bottle that up and sell it, you'll be a millionaire. Not the fart. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is, no, anyone listening now that's in that relationship, if and of course you eventually are like, well, I just, oh, I'm going to leave my wife and get with this gal. It's going to be the same with her eventually yeah. as well. You Go just fart wait on and her. see. Go fart on her and see what happens. Of course you will. You're that's still testing, just people. That's testing the waters. Just, you know, go rip one on her and see if... It, if it's meant to be, she'll stay. If not, she'll throw up and never see you again. That kind of has tones of Wayne's World. If you spew and she Oh, bolts, that's true. That does. That's it, baby. That's probably where I got it. Like, didn't even mean to. But that's, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in that. There is. Yeah. I go to Wayne's World for all my life advice. Yeah. 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 Oh, also, uh, you know, the sex, speaking of, with Candy. You know, we talked about... Betty was kind of very robotic and mechanical. Mm -hmm. Let's just do this. Let's yep. make this baby get off me. So, you know, of course his mind's going to be blown with somebody that's just like, I saw something in this book the other day. Let's try it. Can you bend your leg up here? And he's just like, oh, my God. You know, so automatically. Yeah, and, he's and, just and perhaps it wasn't even that crazy of a thing that she was doing. It was probably something now we would consider it be normal, you know? Yeah. I'm going to put my leg up. And he's like, oh, my God. This is wacky. I can't believe this. Your socks are off. It's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> You're not wearing an oversized Garfield I Hate Mondays t-shirt. <laughs> I'm going to see if that exists on Amazon. It does. I guarantee you he's going he's to be standing there holding a cup of coffee. I've seen the shirt. Not in that uh, particular instance that I just described, but I've seen the shirt. All right. 
Oddly enough, it was Candy, the one who instigated the entire thing, who started to have doubts first. About two and a half months in, she started to wonder if Alan was actually the guy she had been searching for sexually. They'd gone at it several times by that point, and it seemed that Alan was about as good as he was going to (laughs) get. But at the same time... (laughs) Sorry. Well, you're going to get on top of me? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even understand. She's like drawing graphs, and this is how it works. Please explain. <laughs> Let's get that chalkboard out where we planned our whole affair and, <laughs> and show me how this one's going to work. Well, wait, let me explain this. And she explains it. And he's like, I saw my two dogs doing that once when I was a kid. I tried to pull them apart. We can't do that. <laughs> Some stuff I, don't, I regret mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> Not cool. I thought I was helping. Okay. <laughs> Would you not help a dog in need? Oh, yes, you would. Sure. <laughs> Were you a dumb kid? Maybe not, but I was. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they go out several times. Alan had reached his peak, I guess, as as a sexual partner, and it, you know maybe wasn't quite living up to uh, what she'd expected. But at the same time, she kind of started falling for him. Not obviously for the sex, but you know for just the companionship, and they could talk a lot. And he was a nice guy, right? Uh, Candy confessed her concerns to Alan, but this time it was he who pushed to keep it going. Alan reassured Candy that they could continue their affair without getting too involved. Secretly, he had surprised himself by not developing any serious feelings at all for Candy. He had also been surprised with how easy it had been to still face his wife, kids, pastor, and even Candy's husband, Pat, after starting the affair. You know, like when you lose your soul (laughs) and have no conscience or guilt. Yeah, like that. Like that. Also, that feels. Also, Alan still had no intentions of ever leaving Betty, ever, which is weird, but to him, marriage was forever. It would uh it would devastate her if he left her. <laughs> yes. Yeah, don't ask me how he held that belief while justifying his affair at the same time, but Well, you can think two things at once, I guess. Yes, but normally the logical thing should win out. Well, and it would, you know, it's also amazing what you can mind screw yourself into believing when you're trying to justify what you're doing. Right? Right. Right. Anyways, after their talk, Candy agreed to keep things going. In mid June of 1979, Candy hosted a baby shower for Betty. Yeah, that's screwed up. You heard that right. Who gave birth to a baby girl named Bethany just two weeks after that? The new baby brought Alan and Betty closer, as often happens, but not for long. Just two weeks later, Alan and Candy were bouncing the bedpost off the wall of their crummy rented room back at the Como Inn. But this time, for the first time, something was slightly off. Neither one could really put their finger on it, but it was definitely different. Alan was feeling more and more guilty since the birth of his child, and Candy was still feeling the same reservations she'd expressed weeks earlier. This was followed by a week-long trip by the Gores, which was followed by a week-long trip by the Montgomerys. By the time the two got to meet again, it had been over two weeks, and they indulged themselves even more than usual. If you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. We get it. (laughs) But this was followed by something that took Alan completely by surprise. When he arrived home later that evening, Betty aggressively came on to him and announced that she wanted sex. Oh. This had literally never happened in their entire relationship. And Alan was taken aback. It reminds me a little bit about that 
like when you get home from work and you eat the little Debbie and then your wife gets home after you and she's like, oh, let's go out to dinner. Like right then. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Maybe you had a couple of them. And then, and then uh, like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Let's, let's go. And you're like trying to kill time and stuff. Like get like, oh, I need to change my shirt. And then you go in the bathroom for a while and. You know, so so you don't get there and you're like, well, I'm not really hungry. <laughs> you know? Yes. It's the same kind of feeling. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not hungry for what you wanting to give me. <laughs> <laughs> Which in my case was just Mexican food. I love how you compared it to the like it's like it's like when you eat a little Debbie. Yeah. Well, just, I'm try- I love that. No, I love it. I'm not trying to be a Boy Scout or anything, but I'm trying to just relate it to something. No, in my it own shows life. who we really are now and our age. Yeah, because like, I, I would get in pretty big trouble. Seriously, not like not like a, not not a fair t- style trouble. No, but but like you know, oh oh, you you ate as soon as you got home. You knew we were gonna go. I love that eat. we're at that age and and stage of our life where you're like, yeah, it's like when you eat a burrito when you get home, and all of a sudden the wife wants to go out, and you're, and you're like, oh man, I've already got a full belly. What am I going to, you know, it's like, yeah, um, yeah. no, I, I love I that. I promise I have stalled. <laughs> I have stalled because I'm not going to be hungry because she knows how fast I eat when we go out to eat and like, and if I don't eat as much, she's like, oh, what's wrong? And and I don't want to lie. Oh, I've got a stomach thing. No, I, I know exactly what you mean. I guess I could say I got a stomach thing and it wouldn't be a lie. Like there's cake in my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stomach thing. That's still a lie, Ivan. Well, that's true. It is. But it's a little white lot. Never hurt nobody. I know. I know what you mean, though, because I get home a little. I get home like half an hour or something, or hour before my wife. And there's been times where the same thing where I'm like, I'm hungry, so I'll just eat a sandwich and a bunch of chips and salsa. And then she comes in and she's like, Let's go to Panda. Yeah. And you're like, Shit. <laughs> you know, I don't want to tell. You tell her you ate. She's like, You already ate. Yeah. You asshole. How cold you? Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. Marriage is about trust. <laughs> and you lost some of my trust this very day with your. Eating after work. Well, this is the deal. She comes on to him, you know, first time like ever. He didn't even have time to think up of anything, so he's like, I'm just not in the mood. You already ate. Of course, he couldn't tell her that he'd spent the whole afternoon railing another woman, right? Yeah, yeah. See, that's what I'm trying to relate to. That was for your little Debbie. You're right. Yeah. You you railed little Debbie. Yeah. With <laughs> okay. eating of the yeah. cakes. So, yeah. that's <laughs> Fall party cakes are amazing. <laughs> I've been Yellow really, cake, chocolate icing, chocolate outside. Man, they're awesome. They're they're almost gone now because they're going to move to the December stuff. Anyway, that's my little Debbie obsession. Those Christmas trees, man. I, I do like those, but I like the fall party cakes right now. It's got the little sprinkles of orange and brown on the top. <laughs> there we go. They are good. This podcast not brought to you by McKee Foods. Or Canada Debbie. Dry. Or Canada Dry. Who makes ding-dongs? I've really been into ding-dongs Hostess. lately. Oh, that's Hostess. Never mind. I've been eating, no, make your jokes. I don't care. I've been eating ding-dongs every day. I swear to God, they're so good. Yeah. I have a giant box of them at home. No, I, I, I too like ding-dongs. Hey, I even got one when we drove to the podcast last time, remember? Because we went inside, we got our stuff. I grabbed a ding-dong. I went outside. Ivan's truck was locked, so I was just out there. And when he came out, I, Ivan was like, oh, did I lock you out of the truck? And I said, yeah, no problem, though. I was just standing out here in the parking lot holding my ding-dong. And then we both laughed. Yeah. And then we high-fived, remember? High-five. <laughs> Those guys next to us that weren't impressed. They didn't think that was funny. They're not into our type That's of comedy. Sorry, guys. You can't make everyone laugh. Uh, this was a real wake-up call for Helen. 
who was at least, uh, he at least still had enough humanity left in him to be affected by seeing his wife cry herself to sleep that night. Mm. Wow. The following Monday, he placed a call to Candy and uttered one cryptic sentence. Candy, we need to talk. <laughs> right? Can he just talk? No, then? no, no in person. Okay. <laughs> the two met for a picnic lunch, and Alan told Candy about the terrible occurrence with Betty and tried his best to tell Candy that it was over without actually saying the words, it's over. What if the talk over a picnic, couldn't you meet at the library and she's on one side of the bookshelf and you're on the other? <laughs> like in the movies? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's, it's another date. Let's have one more date. Like, we need to talk over sex, okay? Yeah. I got it. <laughs> This is serious. Well, I mean, he's probably thinking he's going to do the goodbye sex. So listen. <laughs> I've been meaning to tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like a good as good a time to any to mention it. As good a time as any. I that's what I'm saying. That's why I wanted him to go to the library. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, man. You just acted out the thing I was trying to avoid. <laughs> or was hoping they would avoid. God help me. Leave that in. Leave that in. That's what she said. <laughs> oh. That's what Candy said. <laughs> All right. Hold on. The two met for a picnic lunch. <laughs> and Alan told Candy. <laughs> and Alan told Candy, he tried to do his best to tell Candy that it was over without saying it was over. Candy was not hearing it, though. She reminded him that she had wanted it to end before he said, and he said, no, I can't read. And now she was saying, no, it's not going to end, right? Alan left their meeting feeling sick and uneasy. <laughs> Over the, sorry. All right, game face. Over the next few days, Candy would call several times and even said the dreaded words, Alan, I do love you. It was around this time that Alan made a move that he'd been thinking about for a long while anyways. He left Rockwell to join a smaller startup company called ECS Telecommunications that manufactured answering machines. Remember those? Yeah. The new job didn't... Really increased his workload, but he told Candy it did as an excuse to not see her as much. The next time... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the next time they met, Candy announced again that she loved him and did not want to break up. I can't look at you guys. Alan replied with the news that he and Betty were going to a couple's retreat called the Methodist Marriage Encounter and that he intended to save their marriage. It would seem that Alan was as determined to bring things to an end as Candy was to keep them going. Remember, you got to be kind of skeptical, skeptical that it's like, I'm going to save our marriage. It's like, uh, why? What's wrong with it? You know? Yeah. It's like you're having an affair or something? No, no, no. <laughs> Everything's good. Ooh. I mean, uh, I'm going to make it better. <laughs> better than it ever has been. <laughs> Candy, I mean, oh, 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 oh. Betty, committee, committee. 
Remember, throughout the affair, neither Pat Montgomery nor Betty Gore had really suspected much. So their families were still in frequent contact at church and were still civil. In fact, when Betty and Alan went off to their weekend marriage encounter, it was Candy who watched Alyssa while they were away. Ooh, yeah, the Gores nice of her. That was really nice of her. The Gores then traveled to the fake medieval facade that is Dunphy's Royal Motor Coach Inn. Sounds hot. <laughs> they were there for a week and long retreat meant to pull the couples closer together. Oh, it was a thing that happened every month, okay? Okay. Alan, Betty, and three dozen other couples were gathered in a large meeting hall and handed papers with printed questions like, quote, what do I like best about you and how do I feel about that? What do I like best about myself and how do I feel about that? Hmm. What do I like best about us and how do I feel about that? That sounds like that could backfire because if you couldn't think about of something, that's you know, true. that kind of proves some of the problems. Yeah, that's true. It, yeah. it may have backfired. It had a really good success rate though. Okay. I must say. Well, you're probably compelled to answer. And it wasn't a like rapid fire. Oh, like they okay. were given questions and then sent back to their rooms to talk and discuss. It was like a, a slow, drawn-out thing. Yeah. Okay, I got you. These felt hokey, these questions, at first, but Alan was surprised at how honest and vulnerable Betty was with her answers. By the end of the night, they had both finally addressed issues that had plagued them for years. It was a good start. Saturday was good as well, with classes and meals and pep talks on how to communicate and reconnect. The day ended with an assignment requiring the two to write love letters to one another, which led to Betty finally addressing her avoidance of sex for all those years. Okay. Her religion had caused her to view it as dirty and sinful, even within the confines of marriage. Mm -hmm. This resulted in a very deep discussion between her and Alan that ended up with, you guessed it, making love. Mm -hmm. It was a significant breakthrough for both of them. Yeah. Sunday was more sessions, more discussions, more love building, exercises, and as cheesy as everything seemed at first, by the end of the encounter, Alan and Betty were singing its praises. In their final assignment, a love note written to each other, Alan wrote, quote, Before this weekend, I was feeling like I didn't know if I really wanted to live with you. But just in the short time we've had together this weekend, I have realized that what I was feeling was not, I don't like you, but more like, I don't feel like I'm excited about you because I'm too confused about the way things are. I want to share a lot more of your feelings and I want to be able to share mine with you. Right? So, yeah, that's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, whoever kind of devised that program, it seems to be pretty good. Yeah. Betty's letter went as follows. Quote, and this is heartbreaking, man, when you like think about what he'd been up to for the previous months. This, this sucks. Here I sit crying because I'm so happy and so proud to be your wife. I've known that all along, but when you really stop to think about it, we are so lucky to have each other. Let's don't let anything come between us. We've been through so much. All of it we can look back at as good, except the times you were away for work. I remember those times with dread. The aloneness, the coldness of a house that really wasn't a home without you there. The fear for your safety because you were somewhere I was not, and I couldn't make sure that you were okay. I never really felt fear for my safety at home alone, but the feeling of being alone is the worst possible one to have. It's like you're in a dark tunnel and you've got a long ways to go to the light. The light is not there until you're home again, safe and sound. Wow. He probably felt like an inch tall when he read that. Yeah. I would imagine. Wow. That was the end of the retreat. And that is also the end of part one. Whoa. That's a good place to leave off. But I think so. Yeah. I'm uh, quite intrigued about where it's going to go next. It don't. I mean, I, I know it's not going to. 
rainbows and butterflies and sunshine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm trying to piece it together how I think it might end up. Because I've never heard anything about this story. So yeah, good job. Good find on this one. I, hey, it all goes to uh, credit to Sam here at Redbeard Sound Studios. Good job. I'd never heard of this somehow. And then I just he just sent me a link, uh, I don't know, a few days ago. And said, hey, check this out. Have you ever heard of this? And I was like, no. And I thought, well, maybe I can make an episode out of this. And then like 30 pages later, I was like, oh, we got ourselves a two-parter, boys. Two-parter, yeah. Two-parter. Yeah. All right. We love yeah. you guys. Thank you for listening. Murders and mysteries and little smash and grab.